You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have an amazing guest with me here today. Robert Ingalls is a recovering lawyer, and for the last six years, he has been the CEO of LawPods, as his t-shirt suggests, which is a podcast production company for law firms. Robert, what a strange idea. How did you come up with it? Tell, tell us all about it. I'm a huge proponent of podcasts, obviously, but before I was introduced to your brand, I've never heard of a specialty company that does podcast production for law firms only. Yeah, I it's... I am perhaps, from my perspective, one of the most fortunate people uh, alive is how I feel because I was, I was a, a lawyer, mainly in litigation for almost seven years, started in criminal defense, was not a great fit for me after a couple of years, did general civil work, uh, still not a great fit mental health wise, but I was really reeling in this career, trying to make my square peg fit in the round hole of the law and substance abuse and mental health CLEs, all that stuff was aimed at, I felt like trying to help me understand how I could make the law work for me. And I had never taken a step back and thought, maybe I'm not the problem. Maybe it's the law and maybe I'm just not a good fit for it. And while all this is going on, I far from having that epiphany, but right in the middle of all that, I'm struggling. I'm trying to run this law office. I'm not making any money. I'm overwhelmed. And in the middle of all that, I've just gotten married. And my wife comes up to me a couple months later and she says, I want to have a baby. Uh, okay. Um, when now? Like, like now? And she, and she was like, well, I, I started taking my temperature and I think now is good. And I'd like to tell you that I had the appropriate emotional response, um, but I kind of had a proper freak out. I feel like mostly unbeknownst to her, but that hit me hard because I was hanging on by a thread. And now somebody's going to live here next year and I've got to be their primary mentor breadwinner. And it was just, a, it was too much to bear in the moment. And once I got it together, I sat down and made a list. And at the top of that list was money because none of the rest of it mattered if I couldn't support this kid. And so I listened to a book about money. It was great. I liked the author. They had another book about leadership. Didn't feel like I was doing that well in my law office. Listen to that book. That book said, you should listen to our podcast about this topic. I'd never listened to a podcast before. This is September of 21, or sorry, <laughs> September of 15. And I opened the app and man, down the rabbit hole I went. That podcast didn't end up being for me, but the very next one was a show called Awesome Office. They've since stopped publishing. But the first guest on there was Tom Bilyeu, founder of Quest Nutrition. And he's talking about mindset. And I've never heard about mindset before. I 
I'd never heard anyone really talk about it. If I had, I hadn't remembered it. And it was a, a two-part episode, and he really he, he dove deep into the idea of mindset and identity and the way you see yourself and talk about yourself. And these are just things I hadn't thought about. And the big takeaway was you can do anything you want with your life. I mean, that sounds trite, right? We've heard it so many times, but I heard it. Like I heard it and I thought, I think I can do anything I want. And I believed it in that moment. And, you know, within a month, I owned $1,000 worth of podcast gear. And because that medium spoke to me, I'm listening. Everything's there. And I was like, I, I felt like I had something to say. I wanted to be a part of this. I just, it, 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 it hit me hard. I, people say, how do you know? How did you know that you enjoyed podcasting? I didn't have to think about it. It was like when somebody says, how do you know you're in love? I, I didn't have to know. I just knew. I didn't have to examine my feelings about my wife. I knew it. And, and that's how it felt. And it, so I, I bought all this gear. The microphone I'm talking in right now was part of that gear package that I bought. And thank God it worked out, right? Go big or go home. And that was how it started. It, I was in my spare bedroom. I was in my office after hours with a colleague just learning how to use a mixer. And just kind of pretending to be a podcaster at first. And that, that's the short story. Um, so be careful asking me questions. <laughs> <laughs> so incredible vulnerability here. And I definitely didn't know which way the answer was going to go. But years ago, there was a study that determined that lawyers are the most depression, depressed profession there is with the highest percentage of substance abuse. Now, this study is probably 16, 18, 20 years old. I don't know if things have changed very much, but I think here's this notion, and I have met hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of lawyers. I think there is this notion that when people choose to go to law school, um, it's a prestigious profession. So most people expect you to be successful because you're a lawyer. But the reality is most people, like if you look at an average American, most people change their line of work four to seven times in lifetime. But most lawyers, once they choose that path, they stick to it. And I think there's probably a substantial percentage of attorneys who practice law despite not wanting to do so. It's just I chose to it, so I'm going to stick to it and I'm going to keep on doing it until I'm ready to retire or I die. Yeah. So I think it's awesome that you recognize that, that there's a different path. And I know it, it sounds super bizarre. Here are two guys who provide services to attorneys and we talk about maybe it's not for everyone. Maybe you don't have to be a lawyer. Right. Well, it's, I think it's important to talk about, I've, I've done a mental health CLE for the local bar here. And even putting that CLE together, I got pushback. Mm. Because the, the CLE really was angled at telling people, it, it it's not you. Maybe it's the law, right? Like, it's okay to, to say this isn't for me. Because 
I think one of the reasons so many people stay is there's social pressure. There's family pressure. Uh, you spent all this time, you spent all this money, probably still paying off the loans. And now you're saying, but I don't like it, you know? And that is like my parents, the generation they were from, you, you worked hard. And it's not that I don't think that we all work hard, but you didn't really, I don't think my mom ever stopped and thought, is this my passion? She had her first kid at 18, her next one at 20, right? She did what she had to do to get by. And, and she didn't stop and get, um, and start trying to self-actualize. And so a lot of that, I think, got put into me and some other people in, uh, in my generation of feeling a little bit disrespectful almost to, to admit, oh, I don't like this. I want to do something different. And I understand that. And it, in certain circumstances, if there isn't another path, you have to walk that one until there is another path, right? But at that moment in time for me, there was another path. Um, now, it's still I still face those pressures, but thankfully, I had a very understanding wife, I had a very understanding mother who had supported me. I, I, I can't tell if she's just incredibly loving and supportive or crazy <laughs> because she has never to my face, like doubted my decisions. And I am, I have taken, I've made a lot of lefts and rights. Um, and just when I told her something, she was just supportive. Okay, let's do it. And, and so that was really helpful making this decision to, uh, to try to do something because when I decided to leave the law, I did not know that it was going to be to do this. This was just one of my ideas. And, um, but to kind of close the loop on where people go to is a lot of people, they really do look at like sunk cost. I've already done all of this. I, I went to undergrad, I went to law school, I started practicing. This is who I am. This is what I do. And their identities are in it. Their social group is in it. And their social group usually isn't hyper supportive. Um, mine wasn't, and that's no no offense to them. Uh, I think lawyers are we're, we're taught to look for the problem and to look for all the things, all the reasons things won't work. And so your social group can have trouble there. They can say you're crazy. That's never going to work. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, but your own feelings of I spent all this time because people still ask me, don't you feel like you wasted your time? No, not even a little bit. Um, for a number of reasons that I won't expound upon, um, unless you, uh, you know, want me to, but there's, it, it can be really hard to pull yourself out because like, I, I think I said this in the very beginning, the bar even wanted me to add some things into my CLE about how lawyers could try to stay in the law. And I said, sure. And I just went ahead and did the one that I, that I was going to do anyway you know, forgiveness instead of permission. Well, I just, I'm not the authority to tell you how to stay in the law. I'm not going to try to tell you something I don't understand. I'm going to tell you my story and maybe it'll resonate. So. A remarkable story. So now your child must be about seven years old. We're recording this. In She'll be seven in March. She'll be seven in March. And Law Pods, the name of your company, is about six years old, or it will be six years old in November, correct? 
Yeah, so we got our first client in November, but I don't think the company had a name for at least probably six months after that. I think we were calling ourselves Your Pod in the very beginning because we weren't really a company. We were just kind of an idea. And when I got my first client, I had not decided this was going to be the one thing I did. Um, it was probably about a month and a half later that I said, okay, I've got to go in on something. Um, because money was getting tight. And I think my wife was getting a little bit uh, uh, nervous that money wasn't coming in. And I was just chasing a bunch of threads. So I did finally decide, okay, I'm going to do this one thing. And I, I think it got a name somewhere during 2018. One of my friends um, developed that name with me. I'll give a shout out to Harrison Lord. I hope somebody listening knows Harrison Lord. He's the best. He's a lawyer in Charlotte. So law pops will be six years old. Uh, started under a different name, but it will yeah, be six years right, old but in just four weeks. But the production, yeah. Mm -hmm. The podcast production company will be six. We're recording this disclaimer, October 3rd, 2023. How do law firms profitably use podcasting? This is something that I'm a huge advocate for, and I recorded a few videos about it, but you really need to hear it from the source because we do not produce podcasts yeah. for others. Right. Man, so many ways. Uh, you know, I'll give the lawyer answer. It depends. It's there's so many different angles and I'll go through them <clears throat> for because people will show up to me and they'll say, OK, uh, everybody is telling me I need a podcast for my law firm. Uh, but that that's about as baked as the idea is. They know they should have one. People told them they should have one. It's for marketing. And a lot of my prospects think they're going to make a podcast about XYZ and it's going to be about normal stuff that somebody's going to want to listen to while they're mowing the grass on Saturday. And when they need a lawyer, they're going to remember, Oh, that podcast I like, they are also lawyers. Right. And for most firms, I think that's the wrong angle. I think that that's viable to make something good that people will want to consume either way. But the problem you run into there, it's, uh, more than twofold, but two of the problems you run into are, that's a really long play. That's a branding play. You are just hoping the right people listen. You're not targeting the information very well. You're making something with general appeal. And, and so that's a really long play. If people are listening, you know, it's the billboard play kind of, but even more difficult because you got to get people to listen. People have to drive by the billboard. And, and the second problem is you're competing with everyone now. You're competing with Joe Rogan. You're competing with Brene Brown. You're competing with every other podcaster for the limited amount of attention that people have. And when you're doing that, it's very difficult. The product you make has to be very good. And you've got to have a lot of time and energy to build it and keep it going and market it and help people know. And then we hope the people that know about it will eventually get in a car accident or know someone else who did, right? That's tough. What is infinitely easier and tends to be infinitely more effective, especially from an, a short-term ROI perspective, when I say short-term over months and years, is creating something that somebody needs in the moment. Because they'll say, but who would listen to a lawyer's podcast? And I tell them, no one. 
until something bad happens to them or someone they love. That's when they listen. And that is what we're making content for. That's one of the top ways my clients make content is they think of it like an audio blog. Somebody lands on your website or your social feed. They're there because something happened. That is when we want them because they are in the moment to buy. And now it's our job to make content that will nurture them, that will help them understand who we are that we, and let them know that we're the expert. We understand your problem. We've been here. We've guided other people in your situation through this exact thing. Give us your problem. We'll take it. And that's going to make them feel good because that's what they want. They want to feel a little bit better about the problem. And once you have established that you're the person to help, you get them past that friction point with your content. They pick up the phone. Now they're yours to lose. And that is what most law firms are making content for, to nurture leads, help answer questions for them, establish some authority, establish some trust. And another way that I never even considered when I started the company that has been really valuable for a lot of my clients is networking. They are making a podcast that is intended to put someone else on the microphone with them that they want to get to know. And the listeners can sometimes be an afterthought. They are right now, and lawyers specifically can, the ethics around being able to reach out and ask for business. Generally, we can't do that. And, but what we can do is have conversations with people, get to know people. And the microphone is an exceptional place to do that. We're doing it right now. We do not know each other, but we're getting to know each other right now in real time. And so one of the benefits of your podcast is networking with other people that you're bringing on here. You're getting them into your network and that has a lot of value in it. So lawyers can have a podcast. You say, if you wanted to talk to the CEO of a multinational corporation that you didn't know, what are the odds that you send them an email and they just go, yeah, I'd love to spend 20, 30 minutes on the phone with you. But if you say, Hey, I have this podcast where we interview these exceptional CEOs from all around the world. And here are three episodes from people that they probably know that have been on the podcast. We'd love to have you as a guest. Boom. Good chance you're going to be able to get that person on. And now you're connecting. You're adding that person to your network. They could be a potential referral source. They could be a potential client down the road. Um, but at a minimum, they're in your network at this point. So that's a huge one there. And then another one that gets used a lot is creating creating content to educate referral sources. We have a show called Trial Lawyer Nation that we sponsor and produce. And Michael Cowan produces episodes where he is talking about cases that he's done, techniques, tactics, and running the business. But a lot of it is interviewing other trial lawyers about verdicts that they got and how how it went what they did what unique challenges were presented and how they overcame those challenges things that trial lawyers especially younger ones that are still trying to learn are desperate for this information so he's created this podcast and he's doing a few things he's networking with these other lawyers that's a big part of it for him he's getting to know these other lawyers coming on his podcast but he's also providing a ton of value to his colleagues and that has paid dividends for him 
he is he's now he gets referrals from people who have cases they'll bring him co-counsel cases and it's really upped his stature i i go to a lot of the same conferences he does and we were ataa last week in atlanta and he had a book come out and he had people who were podcast listeners a coming up to me and being like oh i hear you on trial or nation all the time and some other podcasts that we sponsor and there were people coming up to him to get him to sign their book because they know him because they've listened to so many hours from his podcast they feel like they know him and and that, those are just three ways three of the most beneficial ways that i've seen a lot of lawyers and, and my clients specifically using their podcast that's a great insight. I want to add that as far as networking, it 100% works. So tomorrow I'm meeting with a former podcast guest who is in the service business for law firms. And they have two and a half thousand law firms as their clients. And when he learned what we do, he's like, let's connect because we have a gap. You guys are really good at SEO. I want to connect you with some of our clients, see how that works out. I heard good things about you. I wouldn't have met the guy, but he was on the on the podcast. There's right. another huge benefit to podcasting, and that is when you think about the investment that you make into search marketing, SEO, every single podcast episode that you create it takes very little effort on your end to create because law pods actually produces the podcast all you have to do is just show up and ask questions every podcast episode the recording can be converted into optimized for search content with the right keywords with the right phrases focused on search and getting your website to rank higher we my team does it very well for us and it is something that every law firm should do you make that investment into podcast production just once but it can pay dividends as you said it in so many different yeah. ways. And one of the things that's helped us grow as quickly is the our ability to create the podcast itself, but then all of the other pieces that come with the podcast. This type of content, everything we do is virtual. So this type of content is, relatively speaking, inexpensive compared to trying to create high-end videos and bringing in a team to shoot those regularly. The amount of content you get for the investment is, uh, is quite significant compared to what lawyers, I think, are used to paying. Uh, sometimes when I'm talking to lawyers at conferences, they see the name law in, my, in the name of my company. And I think that, you know, people are immediately standoffish, like, oh, you're only trying to market to lawyers because you know we're suckers, right? And and I get that. I get that. Having been a lawyer, I know there's a lot of people out there that fit that bill. There really are a lot of snake oil salesmen, salespeople out there. And, and I've been burned myself by it. So I get that. Uh, but that's where I think having been a lawyer gives me a little bit of a reputational credit. Because I say, oh, no, I've been there. I know. Um, but the, uh, the, the price that we are able to bring all that content in has been a big boost for us because there is so much involved. You get that SEO angle that you just talked about, but then every piece of content that you make, you sit down for 20 minutes on the mic, 30 minutes on the mic, you hang up and you're done. And that turns into that full length podcast episode that's on 
every podcast player. It's on your website, but we're on Riverside right now. And we're both having our webcams recorded. Same thing we do for our clients. We take that, those separate tracks and we edit them into a full length YouTube video on a branded template. Now that, now that podcast goes on YouTube, also embed it back on your website with the player and the show notes and the transcript. And then you take those videos and you go through and you find really strong highlights from them. Like at, at, at a few points, you and I are going to have said something here. Uh, I know you have, I'm hopefully going to have said something here. You certainly that have. If you take it and clip it, somebody's going to go, damn, that was yep. good. I want to know more about that. Right. And every episode has those in it where you can take those clips and you put them on those branded templates and share those across your social feeds. That way you, there's branding going on there anyway, for people who might not be necessarily looking for you, they're seeing your firm over and over, but for the people who are, which a lot of people are going to find that content when they're vetting you, they go to your feeds and they see that information and they go, Oh, that, that's a question I had. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I like how they did that. And it looks professional. It looks like you are up to things. You're creating content. You're speaking directly to pain points. It shows a prospect that you're a serious person in the marketplace. And so you get all of these things from such a minimal time investment. Yep. That's one of the reasons this medium has grown as much as it has, uh, especially on the lawyer side. Yeah, absolutely. So there are four ways to monetize podcast. And the fifth one is branding, something that is incredibly difficult to measure into as far as ROI or monetization goes. But over time, branding definitely works. A friend of mine who was on this podcast twice, Louis Scott, says in his great book, The King of Growth, is that once you're over $3 million in predictable revenue on annualized basis, you should be investing 60% or close to it of your marketing budget on branding. Podcasting? is a great and simple way to create a lot of branded content. And Rob, just like you said, creating that content makes you look serious. And in the world where most attorneys cannot be bothered or would hate to go on camera, where it's just so easy to do, you by doing that, put yourself out there as someone who is above the crowd. And again, it's so easy to do, but one of my favorite quotes from the late great Jim Rohn was what's easy to do is even easier not to do. Yes. I do. I love Jim Rohn. I have gone back and digested as much of his catalog as I possibly can. Um, not, not to derail the conversation, but one of my favorites from him is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Sure. And I think about that every day. Where yeah. am I spending my time? Where should I be spending my time? It, it's something that I, t I taught my kids and continually remind them. So yeah. my oldest, who is 16, He's an athlete and there are no drugs around him. There's no bad behavior around him because he surrounds himself with other athletes. They don't have the time. I know some right. other kids, same age, they surround themselves with the bad five. Yep. And they have become and, and the average of those true. bad five. 100%. I mean, I think, I feel like all of our parents kind of knew that as well. Like they were like, look, you, you can't have your friends matter. Like they were trying to get us to understand that point. Yeah. But I mean, it matters throughout your life though, because even when people aren't doing things like drugs and bad behavior, sometimes they're just not doing anything there. They might be, I had plenty of people who were working very stable jobs, making six figures, very comfortable, 
but they weren't, they didn't have, they weren't trying to go where I was trying to go. And there, they couldn't see like the path. And all they could see was the scary parts of what I was trying to do. And so it was a lot of spending too much time with someone like that will hold you back because I don't want to be in that kind of role. I want to be around people who see the opportunity, who are always thinking, yes, and what else? And or when they hear you talk, they might hear something that has a problem, but they'll go, I love that. Have you also considered? Yeah. And, and people that want to do the big thing. And when you spend time with those people, that allows you to do the big thing. Yeah. Somebody else's growth can be very threatening to someone who is stagnant. Yeah, it very much can. Yeah. And I feel like I've been that person to other people when they were trying to do it. Um, and I will spend the rest of my life trying to help other people to make up for it. Good for you. Lopat, how do people connect with, oh, by the way, before, before I let you go, question. Yeah. For your clients, how many episodes do you recommend that they do per month, per week, per year? Is there a cadence yeah. that's recommended? So I think for most firms, and this is one of the few areas where I can say this is, can kind of apply almost everywhere because different size firms, different practice areas can differ. But if you're doing two a month, I think you're in a really good place. Um, we have clients that do weekly. That is an aggressive schedule. You, you want to make sure uh, that you can keep up with that schedule, that you've got people in your office that can help you keep up with that schedule. Now, if you've got a good plan and you've got somebody like us on your side that are helping you with a content calendar and things like that, it can be a lot easier. Uh, but at the same time, you do need to have to make the time to sit down. Now, you should be batching. You should be recording two, four, six episodes sometimes at a time. And that way, when trial comes up, when something goes crazy, you want to go on vacation, whatever it is, you've got some content in the bank. But when you're doing two a month, that is a schedule that I think off the top of my head, 80% of our clients are probably at two a month. And that is a, a, that's a schedule that nobody's had a problem with. It's pretty easy to keep up with and get ahead of schedule as well. And a lot of the content you're going to be making, especially if you're doing FAQ stuff, is going to be evergreen. Uh, you can put 12 of them in the bank and you're not going to all of a sudden have content that feels a little bit stale because you're speaking to timeless points. So that's that two a month cadence can be a really sweet spot from getting content that's relevant, that's helpful, keeping your feeds full, uh, generating enough new content, and uh, but also not overwhelming you and your staff to constantly feel like you have to get something new out. Yeah, so, super interesting. I don't think I could ever batch four, five, six podcast episodes because to me that would be, if they were all interview style, that would just drive me insane to have that many. I, and I have plenty of meetings every day, but actually doing yeah. so many interviews in one day would be difficult. We do produce a podcast episode every week and we usually do batch like two to four episodes in one week. And then I can skip yeah. a week and then do another two, four episodes in one week. Um, couple of things that yeah, I wanted to a, mention. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that batching interviews is, is a skill that yeah. it's, it's kind of a muscle that can be developed sure. because it can take a lot out of you to do an interview. And if you do two or three in a row, it can be draining, but it definitely is a skill set that I feel like I've developed too when I need to is, is I can learn how to do them a little bit better. But I heard John Lee Dumas talk about this. He, 
uh, with Entrepreneur on Fire podcast, he got to a point with his, because his was a daily podcast. He got to a point where he was doing 15 episodes one day and 15 episodes the next day, just like Saturday, Sunday, or whatever his schedule was. He'd do them all in two days. And then he had the rest of the month off. And he said it killed him. He's like, at the end of that two days, I am wiped. He's like, but then I've got the rest of the month. And, but he talked about building that muscle. And that's what encouraged me to learn to do it too, was like building up to being able to do that many episodes. I think the the scariest thing, the most significant friction point is getting started. So if someone wants to get started or discuss how to get started, how do they connect with you? Yeah, I mean, if if you have a search bar in front of you anywhere and you type law pods, you're going to find me. Uh, that was part of starting this company is I wanted to make sure that I was going to get the .com and the social media handles and something real short, real easy, that was not going to be difficult to find that I didn't need to get IO for or add the law pods podcast company to. And so really, yeah, type lawpods.com or type lawpods anywhere and, and you can get me and then feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn too. If you just want to connect and chat. What questions should they ask you out of the gate? Uh, why, why am I doing this? I think that's almost always the most important question about if you're going to start creating content is why am I doing it? Who am I doing it for? What do they want to know? And really importantly, how does this whole thing turn into money? And those are the things that I want to go through up front. And if we can come up with good answers to that, then we keep talking. And so if you, we can't, then it might not be the right time. You actually help your clients or your prospects figure out answers to those questions. Absolutely. I feel like that's one of my primary jobs. Um, they... Uh, I, we're, we're also doing strategy with them. And I just, I have a natural proclivity for this kind of work. I really enjoy it. I, I love marketing. I've never taken a marketing class in my life. I've never taken a business class. So getting into this in the beginning was a little bit scary because like, who am I? But I quickly realized as I got into it that I had this natural proclivity. And as I did it more, I realized I'm quite good at this. I really enjoy this. And that's one of my favorite parts is doing the ideation, understanding why we're doing it, who we're doing it for, and what kind of podcast are we going to do? How, how does this turn into money? I love it. Great insights. Rob Ingalls, it was great to meet you. Thank you so much for being here. And I look forward Sasha, to- Such a pleasure. Yep, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> all, all good. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.